Hey everybody, it is Trags, Mike Petralia, alongside the one and only James Rapine of allbengals.com, Locked On, the only daily podcast covering your Cincinnati Bengals. This is Jungle Roar, the podcast, episode number 30, Super Bowl 56 edition. James, it's incredible that we are here. It is. I can't believe it. We're in Los Angeles. The Bengals are playing in Super Bowl 56. Uh First Super Bowl appearance of my lifetime. so And I'm no spring chicken track. So the fact that they're here, uh, it's certainly exciting and can't beat this weather either. I've been to a few of these, obviously, as you know. This guy bragging. <laughs> as you know. But this is different as a Cincinnati native. i got to say uh, the ride that the Bengals have been on. And I've brought this up before, James. Not even the Tom Brady-led Patriots have been able to do what Joe Burrow has done in his second NFL season, win two road playoff games, and win three playoff games to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's, that's the thing is this team, no one expected them to be here. Maybe beat the Raiders, right? But they, they got the Raiders when they could have faced the Chargers or other teams, and it goes their way. They play the Raiders. It's like, okay, you can at least snap the, the playoff drought, and you can get that done. And then you go to Tennessee, and some people were saying it's house money. But I think you and I felt like they had a puncher's chance. Mm -hmm. They escaped Nissan Stadium with a win, and then they go to Arrowhead. 21-3. The game is over. Patrick Mahomes is driving downfield before halftime, and it's going to be over. And Lou Anarumo's defense comes up big and big and big and big, and suddenly they scratch and claw, and they're here. And that's the thing. That's the fun part about this. It was so unexpected, this run. But – now, after seeing what I've seen, as unexpected as it is that they're here in Super Bowl 56, do I think they have a shot? Hell yeah, I think they have a shot, and that's a, a fun place to be. Biggest news story, really, of the, of the week in terms of the Bengals on the field is the health of C.J. Uzama because he is a big deal. Look, I mean, if you're going to have somebody who can not only chip Von Miller at the line of scrimmage, but then get out into a pass route, as I, I think uh, CJ has proven very adept at doing, um, he's got to have to play and he's going to have to be somewhat mobile. What would you assess CJ Uzama's chances of playing? More than 50 50 at this point? Yeah, I think he's going to play. I, I would be surprised if he doesn't play. Now, the key is, and you said 50 50, what's the percentage? Is he 75% healthy? Is he 80%? Is he 55%? And he's going out there and playing because it's the biggest game of his life. And what I worry about, and we've talked about this, I think he's going to be fine running up the seam. Yep. Can he plan on that knee? Can he twist on that knee? Can he make the movements that he's going to need side to side? And odds are he's not going to be able to do that to the level he's used to. Correct. So how does he adjust? That being said, and this is no disrespect to Drew Sample, if you can have Uzama out there, you want him out there because he gives you a different dynamic in the passing game, which I think they're going to need against this Rams defense. Yeah, and you know I go back to the uh, game that the Patriots played against these Sean McVay coached L.A. Rams three years ago, Super Bowl Fifty Three in you Atlanta. Bragging, you bragging that you're covering Super Bowls again, and it was Rob Gronkowski. Notice how I'm ignoring you and your insult. It was Rob Gronkowski who made the biggest catch of the game, the seam route. Seam route down the uh, left sideline, yeah. setting up the only touchdown of the game. Yeah, that's that's good impersonation there. Yeah, me James. and Gronk look the same. And uh, you do, except for the fact of maybe 80 pounds of muscle and three to five, man, six inches of height. But anyway, he made the biggest catch of the game. Tight end, 
in that game and set up the touchdown by Sonny Michel. I think this kind of game, if the Bengals are going to come out on top, it's going to have to be another rock fight against these Rams because I don't think you can expect Joe Burrow to drop back 40 to 45 times against this defense and be effective. I think you're right. Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, and then on the flip side, Akeem Adeniji. Trey Hopkins, who's playing better, but it's still Trey Hopkins. Quentin Spain, who's had an up-and-down year. Overall, pretty good, but Quentin Spain. Isaiah Prince. Yes, just say it out loud. Like, what, it, It's pretty clear that the Rams' defensive front, it's that way. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, and that's how they've won these games. This offense hasn't been amazing in the postseason. They've had to settle for field goals, protect the football, punt the ball, let Luana Rumo's defense play well. Like, they're built for that, and I think they're comfortable with that. My question is, are the Rams comfortable with that? Because I don't, they're this high flying, speed threat, you know, star studded game. I could totally see Matt Stafford after a couple of drives getting frustrated and saying, we need a big play and forcing the ball down the field. He did that against the 49ers in the NFC Championship. And, yep. you know, obviously we've all seen the highlight of the dropped interception. Yeah. And, and so that's the thing is Jesse Bates catches that ball. I would bet, it, you know, he yeah. does. You know, hopefully Eli Apple makes that play if he gets another chance at an interception. So that that's the thing to me. I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be high scoring. I know the over-under is like 48 and a half. I would hammer the under. Maybe I'm dead wrong because I said hammer the over in the AFC title game and I was wrong. But I, I think under, I think the Bengals are, are built to withstand Joe Burrow in this offense not playing at, a, you know, a super high level because of the opponent. They've done it all throughout the playoffs. They have a good kicker. Can the defense continue to play at the level it's played at for really all postseason? If they can, I think they have a hell of a shot. Can the Bengals run the ball the way the Patriots did against this Aaron Donald defense of three years ago? He did play in that Super Bowl. They ran for 169 yards in that game. People forget how effective the Patriots were in that game at grinding it out and, and using different strategies against that front to kind of confuse them and you know be effect, slow the game down. It's essentially what they did. Will the Bengals be patient enough with Joe Mixon, with Samaj P. Ryan, Chris Evans maybe, whoever it is, slow it down and turn it into a rock fight. I don't know if they can run the ball. It I, doesn't – see, here's – James, here's the deal. Want, you want the balance anyways. You're just saying the balance regardless. If, if he's running for two yards of carry, you still want – Correct. And, okay. and my, my thinking is you run the ball enough, like Trey Hopkins told me today, the dam is going to break. The dam will break, and eventually those two-yard runs will turn into six-yard runs, will turn into 10-yard runs. And that's essentially what the Patriots did three years ago against this defensive front. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally see that, and I think they're going to be able to do that. The other thing, the quick game to Mixon is, is going to be a part of it. The screens, uh, you know, in general, those are basically glorified runs. You know, so that, that I'll tie all that in together. But to your point, does Joe Mixon have to have a big game for them to win? I think so. I think you're going to have to get him involved. I think he's going to have to have 100 yards from scrimmage, however you do that. And he had that against the Titans, which was the ultimate rock fight. You want to talk about rock fights, ultimate rock fight. Joe Burrow gets sacked nine times, really 11, hit 13 times. And really outside of the drive, the first drive out of halftime, I don't remember a lot of big Joe Mixon runs, but you look up 100-plus yards from scrimmage. So to your point, 
I think they can do that. We've seen them do that in a much more hostile environment. And that's exactly what it was at Nissan Stadium versus the Super Bowl. You've been the 52 of them. So you understand that, you know, that, oh, not that many. Oh, now, now it's not that many. Uh, point is, the environment isn't going to be that. It'll be loud. It's not going to be like that. And, and there's going to be plenty of Bengals fans in attendance. Jalen Ramsey, Jamar Chase. I love it. I love it. I, if, if they, if the Rams put, here's what I would do if I was the Rams to start the game. I'd put Ramsey on Chase straight up. I'd put a safety over top of Higgins, and I would try to double boy. That's what I would do. And I would say, all right, let's see if Ramsey, the guy we're paying to be the best corner in the NFL, if he could take away Chase. And then you adjust it based on that. If he gets beat, then adjust. I don't think the Rams will do that. They haven't done that this year. I think Chase and Ramsey will be matched up on big, crucial downs. But ultimately, with the way he moves around, I, I don't think that they're going to do it. And if you're the Bengals, you want to move Chase around. You want to get him the ball in space, find ways to do that, because we know he could turn four yards into 50. You know full well Joe Burrow isn't going to back down from Jalen Ramsey. You know that going into the game. You know Jamar Chase won't back down from Jalen Ramsey. I expect in the first, let's say, three possessions that the Bengals go at Jalen Ramsey at least three to four times. Really? Yes, really? I do. Yes, I do. I think they just attack him right away. I, I, what I'm curious about, do they leave Ramsey if on it's, an island? If it's one-on-one, exactly. If it's one-on-one, -on -one, what has Joe Burrow told us all season long about going single, one, coverage. single coverage on Jamar? But Ramsey's different, right? I'm not saying that Joe won't go to him. That's my and, point. Yeah, I, I think he will. And I think the way they design this offense and the way they use Jamar, they'll still be, he'll still be effective, right? Whether it's a slant, a screen, maybe they try it deep downfield. Pressure would be the thing. You know, do you have enough time to get the ball down the field to, to chase? But, yeah, the go ball, it's worked. The back shoulders worked. It's going to be a fun battle. I don't think, like I said, that was my idea. I don't think the Rams are going to do that. I think that uh, Chase will see some of Ramsey. I think Higgins is going to see some of Ramsey. And I would not be shocked. If this is a big Tyler Boyd game. I, I feel like I've said it for like three months. At some point, it's got to happen. He's too damn good of a receiver. And you look at the Rams, I don't know who's going to guard him. No, that's just it. And I think that's why if, if, if Joe has three seconds to throw the ball consistently, two and a half, three seconds is what you're looking at. Bengals win this game. Let, let's talk about the head coaches. Sean McVay and Zach Taylor. How does each one read the other and play off the other, knowing they know each other? Well, one knows the other. And, yeah, Sean McVay knows Zach Taylor as an assistant. And I think that matters versus Zach Taylor, the head coach. Zach Taylor is different now than he was with Sean McVay. And you could say, oh, yeah, Sean McVay is different. Yeah, but he was still the head coach. And so right. a lot of those principles, yeah, how he prepares for a big game, um, how he's going to adjust to Aaron Donald and what they did and what they use and all of these things. Like Zach Taylor knows Sean McVay, the head coach, I'll say versus Zach Taylor. He was not a head coach, and now he is. And now he's – I think he's much better than he was even six weeks, eight weeks ago, honestly, at different things that he's done. So uh, I think that's a slight advantage to the Bengals, but they, they both know each other. They're both going to have wrinkles in their game plans and different things, and that's an exciting thing. When you have these two young coaches under 40 years old, Sean McVay, this team was built to get not only back here, but to win after losing three years ago. Meanwhile, Zach Taylor, it's the, the young upstart Bengals that have shocked the world. Can they do it one more time? What do you think of Zach Taylor 
coming into this game and making adjustments on the fly. I have been impressed with the job he has done in the playoffs, and I don't think a lot of, even Bengal fans, would have expected to see the kind of adjustments, in-game adjustments, that Zach Taylor and Lou Anarumo, with some help from Anarumo, the defensive coordinator, have made. Yeah, Lou Anarumo, man. He's been a whiz. I mean, the, the, the things that he's dialed up, and you can tell that this defense is really bought in. And, and that goes with Zach Taylor, too. It goes hand in hand. But, yeah, you know, Zach, he's going to have to – there's going to be a point in this game where he's going to have to say, all right, trick play this, fake punt, Tyler Boyd throw, whatever it is, he's going to have to make that call. Go for it on fourth and six. He's going to have to make that decision. And that's the tough part. That's the interesting thing to me. But, yeah, he's, he's certainly made some adjustments, and they've – They've been disciplined on offense to not make mistakes and not force the ball in big moments on the road, winning two road games. I think Zach Taylor deserves credit for that. But Luana Rumo's adjustments have been – they were amazing last week against the Chiefs. There's no doubt about it. Also, what's uh, the reason I bring up the in-game adjustments, one thing Sean McVay told us uh, earlier in the week was that Belichick outcoached him in that 53 Super Bowl and that he wasn't ready for the – uh, six-man defensive fronts, for, for instance, that the Patriots used on defense. The primary zone coverage that the Patriots hadn't really used all season long until the Super Bowl when they threw it at then-quarterback Jared Goff. He, Sean McVay was not ready for that. And, you know, I guess by um, definition, neither was Zach Taylor, his yeah. quarterback's coach. And I'm just curious, you know, how much does Sean McVay, how much do you think him having a point to prove plays a factor in this game? It certainly does. And, and it's it's not just that, it's the pressure. If the Bengals get off to a good start, this Rams team, Odell Beckham Jr., Von Miller, Sean McVay, Matt Stafford, guys that outside of Von Miller haven't won mm-hmm. but are here to win. This year, not next year, not long term, not anything. They came here for this. So there's pressure. And, man, you're at your home stadium and you're playing the Bengals, this team with a young quarterback, and you look up and it's 10 nothing. That could be very – like that could be something. So I think there's pressure on the Rams. And, and for the Bengals, there is something to playing free. Now there's always pressure in a Super Bowl, right? right. But I think it is different for the Rams because if they don't win it this year – they might not win it. I mean, they're built to win it now. Roger Goodell, it's Wednesday uh, as we record this, and he had his State of the League address. He had it in a different format. I don't know if you noticed this, but it was more like a town hall setting outside NFL Network studios with an NFL Network talent, kind of co-hosting it with Roger Goodell. And I'm going to ask this question because, yes, I covered the Patriots. Yes, I covered Tom Brady. The NFL acknowledging Okay, that those numbers, the data was expunged from 2015, the year after uh, 2014 when the Patriots went to the AFC Championship, won the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 49. And that year, the NFL made a big deal of saying, we're going to test all the footballs, spot check, make sure that everybody is adhering to the rules and making sure that the PSI is where it should be. 
that data disappears. It didn't, it was not a good look today for Roger Goodell to say, I have no idea what happened to the data. And that was Ben Volan, who I was speaking with earlier uh, in the media workroom in the morning. I didn't know he was going to ask this question, or I would have said, yeah, definitely ask the question, Ben. Yeah. But ask the question, Ben, ben Volan asked the question, and Goodell said, I have no idea what happened to the data. Don't you think that's kind of insincere or um, at, at this stage, um, it, it just comes off to me as a little suspect. Yeah, a lot suspect, of course. That's that's what happens, you know, that, that whole conspiracy. It, like, everything that came along with the Flategate from the get-go was blown out of proportion, I thought. You know, the Patriots in that game crushed. Their, their, yeah, it wasn't even close. It didn't right. matter. It didn't have any impact, and it became this huge thing. And I don't think it had to be, and Brady ultimately got suspended. But once you go down the line and you challenge the NFL like Brady and the Patriots did, I don't think they were ever going to admit they were wrong. Right. And Great so point. and so that that's what I think that that acknowledges without acknowledging it. So what Tom Brady said, and I think he's spot on about this, he said it recently uh, in one of his podcasts with Jim Gray, is that, and Larry Fitzgerald, he said that what it started out as is not what it became. In other words, it started out as, were the Patriots breaking the rules? Were the Patriots bending the rules to gain an advantage during that cold, rainy night against the Indianapolis Colts in the AFC Championship game? It became about, like you said, challenging the authority of the NFL and, most importantly, other NFL owners who had it in for the Patriots. Yeah, that, that sounds about right, you know, and that's, that's why I think eventually Robert Kraft said, okay, we can't, we just got to get past this. And Brady's like, okay, I'll accept my suspension, you know, and it's just, and then what did he do? Oh, he won the Super Bowl. He sure did. 28 to three. Heck of a comeback, huh? You, you said this, I'll tie it all together right okay. here. You Thank said you. this after the AFC title sure, game. Right. No, I, I just mean, you said this after the AFC title game, 21 to three, 28 to three. You know what it has in common? Joe Burrow, Tom Brady, two great quarterbacks. In trags here. Yeah. So, hey, you never know. I appreciate that, James. That's why I love having you on. And I think um, you've uh, taken enough time out of your busy Super Bowl day. Are you having fun here? I got to just, are you having fun? I'm having a lot of fun. Did you know he covered Super Bowls before? Oh, Did you know he's been here before in Super Bowls? A, a, a few of them, yes, but never one with the Cincinnati Bengals. And that's, look, we're both Cincinnati natives and we're not ashamed of acknowledging this is something very unique. Look, I lived through, I can say this, I lived through Super Bowl 16, the Dan Bunn stop of Charles Alexander at the goal line, and, you know, that goal line stand won the 49ers their first Super Bowl. I lived through uh, Montana to Taylor with 34 seconds to go. That was heartbreak. But that was not this era of Super Bowl. This is a whole different beast altogether. We didn't have a convention center set up like we do now for, you know, thousands, literally thousands of media to come through. And it's just, you see so many different storylines. You still get the, the odd questions asked of different players and whatnot. But I will, I will tell you this, James. This, the buzz hasn't been quite as prevalent as I thought coming into L.A. with L.A., the host team. I just... It's been kind of quiet, and you know what? I think the Bengals like it that way. Yeah, it bodes well for the Bengals that it's quiet, right? And that it's, 
I haven't seen a ton of Rams fans, like a bunch of Rams right. gear. I really haven't. And we're no. in Los Angeles. Correct. You can't go to a restaurant in Cincinnati right now without seeing Bengals gear. You can't go. I mean, heck, when we drove to, to Nashville together, you saw Bengals gear on the way down. When I drove That's a great point, with man. my wife to, Can- to Kansas City, we saw Bengals gear in St. Louis. We saw Bengals gear at rest stops, at gas stations. I think a lot of Bengals fans are going to be here. I, th- I think you're absolutely right. Yes, the prices are exorbitant. They're ridiculous. Um, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for mediocre to even nosebleed seats. I wouldn't do it, but I'll tell you what. I don't think it's going to be as much of a home field advantage as Tampa Bay enjoyed, even though it was, you know, restricted by the pandemic in terms of the attendance last year they had a home they had a home field advantage i'm curious to see what it's going to be like on sunday yeah it's going to be really interesting to see i I don't think it's going to be environment wise anywhere close to arrowhead or anywhere close to you know it's going to be much more corporate anyways but i know of a lot of people right so the Bengals had ten thousand season ticket holders i know that won their lottery there's going to be a lot more Bengals fans than that. Just just to put numbers on it. So that's already one-seventh of the stadium, right? Am I wrong? Or, or is SoFi bigger than that? Uh, SoFi is like 80,000. Okay, so that's one-eighth, just minimum. That doesn't include anything else besides their lottery. And there was much more, many more tickets sold and given out, not even third market, nothing like that. So I think there's going to be a lot of Bengals fans here. Besides having um, the more, most popular host of Jungle Roar podcast on your Locked On podcast, who else are you having on uh, this week? What, what are you looking forward to on the Locked On podcast? Bengals Locked On. Yeah, we're loaded. Uh, Andrew Hawkins, uh, some pro football focus guys. Um, Solomon Wilcots. Man, Domita Pecco. Mm. Yeah. Who's, Great name of the past. Yeah, Great defensive line. Really, he's really excited. He has a restaurant here in L.A. He's oh. excited. Uh, to, to watch the game on Sunday. So, uh, and a lot more. I'm missing names, but there's there's a ton. There's a ton, like you said. It's uh, It's been nonstop interviews, and it's been a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, it's been a hell of a lot of fun to follow you all season long on allbengals.com and Locked On Bengals. Uh, by the way, congrats. Uh, rising up the Apple charts um, last couple of weeks. This guy, co-hosting with Jake, number eight overall podcast on apple podcasts two weeks ago what was it uh it was last week that last week football okay still james and we're in the top uh we're on the the sporting charts too it's a little lower uh, on like the overall sports podcast but still yeah eight eight was pretty good we were were excited about that it's dropped a little bit now i think we're 13th we're still pretty high well he is james rapine he hosts allbengals.com or writes for allbengals.com and hosts the all bang, the uh, locked on Bengals podcast, the only daily Bengals podcast out there. He does a great job. He's been a great partner on this podcast as he stands a little bit taller. And then for those of you just listening on audio, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But we are in front of the Los Angeles Convention Center, home of the Media Center for Super Bowl 56. want to thank everybody for following along all season long. Win or lose on Sunday, we will have a wrap-up 2021 podcast next week here on the Jungle Roar podcast. He is James Rapine. I am Mike Petralia-Trags. Thanks for listening all season long.